Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Kelly Kirsch, Riley Pollock. Busy show today. We'll go to Las Vegas and talk to Dave Shane from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Talk about, well, now it's a series. Canucks and Golden Knights. We'll do that. Also talk about our spiciest moment coming up with Bacardi. But first, let's talk to Lou. Peter Lubardius on Hockey Central at Noon, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Imagine your life, your style. Your home renovations should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Well, Peter, today we want to talk about Matthew Kachuk, who obviously went out in that series against the Dallas Stars, and his absence was felt almost immediately. And he's a guy that's been around the, uh, the hockey world all his life. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking him in the NHL. He's, he's experienced it. His dad played. He was around it all the time. And I think that really helps him with his candor with the media and just taking the ups and downs in stride. It, it sure seems that way. He's, he's mature beyond his years. I, I don't think there's any question about that, Kelly. And I really think for the Calgary Flames, if Matthew chooses, because let's not forget, he has a couple of years remaining on his contract. I don't know if there's any more important piece for the Calgary Flames to build around than Matthew Kachuk. So let's tell the Matthew Kachuk story. You started with the fact that he left the Dallas series in game two, and that really put the Flames in some respects behind the eight ball their emotional leader he was their leading scorer during the course of the regular season he had a very solid series against the winnipeg jets before he went out and we've talked about it many times in this very show he might have been my very last choice in terms of one player who could go down for you to be without on your team yeah either him or the goalie right yeah absolutely um and interesting how that played itself out so Matthew was made available today he was not the first day after on Monday and confirmed and it was confirmed for us um, a couple of things you can only imagine how difficult it was for him and didn't we see it in game six on the television shots of him at one point even throwing whatever he had in the private booth up in the air and you know that that really really speaks volumes about his level of assessment and and how much it means to him. And, and there's nothing worse for any of us than, you know, no matter what you do for a living, when it is really important and we think we can make a difference, when we're not in a position to do that, that just, you know, for Matthew, Matthew in some ways, and it'll be even more interesting when I get to the first of two clips, Matthew found out in some ways in that series what it was like to be a caring fan where you, you don't have control and and helpless feeling in some ways, right? It's, it's a very helpless feeling. Now it's very different because he's still around his team and he still had an opportunity to help support in any way, shape or form his teammates, especially in the bubble where it's all hockey all the time. But he admitted to all of us today on the zoom call or webex call that it was a very difficult situation for him and that for a few days he just you know he was he was okay enough to you know watch tv and and do his thing on his phone but he just he didn't feel like himself he also mentioned that what also made it difficult for him is that he was trending in the right direction that 
you know, he feels like he was getting really, really close to potentially being an option when his team went out. But, but the big part of it for me is, you know, this is a 22-year-old guy. Kelly, you brought it up. Hockey's all he's known, and he loves it. He lives for it. He's aware. Um, I value him and his opinion greatly because, as even I addressed with him earlier today, he knows it in a different way than we do. You know, we didn't – I've grown up with it. I've been in it my whole life. But it's, it's, it's not him. He plays the sport. His dad was an outstanding player in the game. His agent is Craig Oster, who is a, a major agent in the Don Meehan Newport group. I mean, hockey, you know, his brother plays in the NHL. The Kachuk household is all about hockey in every way, shape, or form. And, and I, you know, I truly believe he is the most important player a, he's a great player. B, is understanding, his savvy. I'm not sure I've ever met a young player in all my time around the game that I think understands it and has the same type of perspective. You know, he won a Memorial Cup in London. He cares. He's invested. It really, really matters to him. He, I can always tell when players, they watch, they 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 take notice. He knows who good players are. You know, he's not in a position to say it, but but he knows in tough situations, and now he's tasted some disappointment, Kelly, in three playoff years, yeah. and he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. And, you know, he was asked a couple of key questions today about how they go forward, and I want you to hear the first of two that we're going to play because his first part of this answer really, I believe is what matters the most. If this loss is truly going to impact you the right way to make a difference. This just can't happen anymore. We just have to make sure this doesn't happen. And, and um, you know, the thing that really frustrates me right now, especially with, with being out and being out and, uh, and watching the games and having nothing to do. So being on my phone and just being in the bubble, everything's about hockey is uh, I couldn't believe some, you know, some of the, some of the criticism that some guys on, you know, my team are getting for this and getting the blame for this at the end of the day. Um, you know, especially the criticism towards Johnny and Monty, I just, it, it makes, it makes me sick and it really upsets me and pisses me off because um no, everyone gets. Everyone was upset about them for offensive production. Well, they produced more offense than than me, so put the blame on me. Um, I didn't do nearly enough to to help get this team uh, over the top when I was in the lineup, and that, that's what hurts the most. Wow, he's twenty two, is he? Yeah. If I just played you that clip, you wouldn't you wouldn't know if how old he was if you didn't know because just by hearing that maturity and and taking taking responsibility that's uh that's something that's what i want in a leader that's 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 what i want in a leader that whole clip in many ways tells you everything that i've always felt about matthew and that is does he understand at an incredibly high level yes does it matter to him yes does he give the conventional did he talk in that clip about making strides 
Yeah, well, in part, he, he does, and he did today during his media availability, and he knows it, it's different, and he knows it probably hurts more than it ever has. But he also started by saying, this just can't happen anymore. And until you realize that, and until it's not good enough, it's not going to change. So I believe, Kelly, and you know this more than anybody in our chats, I think you have to understand it and be able to think it and process it before you can change. Yeah. Like, so, so that, and maybe, and maybe you don't, maybe I'm pretty sure you do. Well, here's just thinking, playing devil's advocate here. Okay. He is very good at speaking publicly. Not, yes. not everybody is. A lot, no. of guy, a lot of guys just, you know, if you talk to them, I always remember like conversations with Dion Phaneuf, when there was no mics around, completely different guy than when the cameras are on and the mics are in his face. Completely different guy. Um, Matthew is obviously very comfortable uh, in his own skin and very comfortable talking to the media and talking you know, out loud and, and not just talking in cliches. Do we as a fan base and as a media base maybe get jaded by that a little bit because he is so comfortable? Maybe is, is that... Where somebody like Sean Monahan is not as comfortable. He he is, you know, he is a hockey player. The the other stuff isn't isn't so much for him. I I just I wonder about that a little bit. If we get a little bit, you know, get the blinders up on him because he says such good, interesting things, and he's so comfortable with the media. Well, I, I love I love this devil's advocate. Um. So, so for me, it's it's a couple of things, and that is, in in any aspect, Kelly, you can talk about it all you want, but until you help it be different, then it is just talk. So if that's kind of if that's kind of where you're getting to, and you're right, like not everybody is comfortable in 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 being vulnerable and talking about those things and and getting to a better place. You're right. That's there wouldn't be one person in that room that would feel exactly the same way about having to answer hard questions. My point all the time, though, is at least when I start to hear some of the right things from players, then I think at least they understand it. That doesn't mean that they have all the power to change it. And the other thing about a team dynamic is this. If Matthew Kachuk knows it and wants it, here's the really important part that isn't talked about enough. So I can hold up my end of the bargain, right? And I can talk about it, and, and I know what I value. But you know what really matters in a team dynamic? Can you now get what you believe out of other people? And that the part, that's the part for me, Kelly, that is... I wouldn't say it's undervalued, but I think that's the hard part when you deal with people. You're right. Not everybody's going to be able to talk about it that same way. And you know why? Because he does have a big advantage. It's all he's known. You know, if, if you're a person who, you know, is so, so adept that whatever it is, drawing, um, finances, if, if that's what you were brought up in and that's all you know, well, guess what? Don't you think you're going to have a head start? you are going to have a head start. So I I love the point that you bring up. And and just, you know, the part for me is this team, again, is at a crossroads. And it has to get better. 
And the way it gets better is at some point in time, you know, the people who are really driving the car and, and listen, as much as we want to talk about coaches and, and other individuals, well, yes, they always set the template, but you have to have players who go out and execute when it's hard. And the fact of the matter is, isn't, isn't that what we're questioning right now about this team? Yeah, we are. And I want, let's play that other clip. I mean, he, interesting, these clips are just fascinating. We're going to, this is going to be uh, uh, our hit record here today. I know Will and, and uh, Logan are going to be talking about this too, because it's just, it's just so refreshing to hear somebody just speak this way, because you don't get it very often. People are so guarded and jaded and are right. so worried their stuff is going to, you know, and, and A, as, as a media person, it's like, you know, I love this, and I think we should give give guys a lot more runway that are going to be open instead of, you know, having them always kind of be very, very, you know, close and, and closed off. And then when they do some, something, say something that's a little controversial, then we're like, oh, my God, we're outraged. I don't but, but listen, but Kelly, not to interrupt you, but don't, didn't you find Matthew interesting? So he's upset at the result. He, he doesn't like what's happened, but you know what we don't like? And guess what? When you do what even I do for a living, you know what we don't like? We don't like to be criticized by people on the outside. Nope. Because he said that in his clip. Which basically is, you know, and and that's what makes our jobs difficult because not unlike the players, not unlike this hit, not unlike our conversation, there are people right now that are listening that are not going to be fans, potentially, of what is being said. That's not an easy thing to do. And, and, And that's sometimes, you know, what both sides have to, I think, do a better job of understanding. Well, no, we're not you. So, but understand too that while we have to understand that you have a really, really difficult job and it's hard to do, um, sometimes so do the people that are assessing you. And I'm not being critical because you know what I also say is is what what gets hard when you're a media person is sometimes we get all grouped together. We're not all grouped together. Sorry. Some people's opinions matter more than others. And that's not to downgrade anybody, but some people are just in a more experienced, been around it, you know, probably should have more value in their opinions. Absolutely. But I also understand why, I mean, that's what makes it challenging. And, and so let's indeed, let's get to the next clip, because I asked Matthew in this one, I said, with all your knowledge and all your background and all your understanding, and you've won a Memorial Cup, you know, what is it for you? What do you value in terms of this team taking the next step? I know this probably isn't the best choice of words, but almost bet on ourselves when nobody else is right now. Um, not a lot of people had, uh, you know, us, us, us making a huge uh, splash in these playoffs, except for us. We, we truly believe that we could beat everybody. I, I really, really mean that. Um, so I think the next step is believing that, which we have. We have that belief. We have that belief we can win, in, you know, in a bunch of different styles. I think the next step is doing it. Yeah, it is. And yeah. the thing is, you can't, you can't do it now, and you have to wait till training camp, and you have to wait till regular season starts because that's the uh, – 
the tough part about sports is you don't have a chance to redeem yourself for a while. And that's that's just the way it is a little bit. It's it's um refreshing to hear that for sure. I, I was thinking about this and this is maybe changing the topic a little bit and we can yeah, maybe no get problem. into maybe get into it a little bit tomorrow. I was thinking okay. about I was thinking about this and I was thinking about Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monahan. And, mm-hmm. I think, and I think we're looking at it the wrong way because you know what what do the fans do? It's like get rid of these guys, right? It's like, well, hold on. What I'm I'm looking at it at a different way. How do we make those guys successful, and how do we put them? We, as in the Flames, uh, how does how do the Flames coaching staff put them in a position to be better? And on top of that, have they been put in the best position to succeed? Just knowing the types of players those two guys are, because that they're the ones that seem to have everyone's you know. They do vision right now, rightly or wrongly, whatever. I mean, they're they're yep, they're yep. the big gunners on the team, right? But I, I, it might be something we can draw out tomorrow. I, I'm just I'm interested to see if if we if if people think about that a little bit. What what we're doing are we are we putting people in positions that maybe they can't succeed in the playoffs? But is there a way to do it so that they do? Isn't it about expectation? Yeah, you know. See, 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 my thing is, and I won't waste all of it today, but just because you've brought it up, so thinking about it, I think part of all of this for us, for the fan base, even the team, you know what I think is kind of a bit of a roadblock in how we assess? What's that? That for three months in particular – we saw this team and certain players ascend to a really high, high level. So I think in a season where you finish first in the West, which was very much driven by those players that we're talking about in part for three months, a different way of playing, a very active defense, a team that didn't have really any expectation, because frankly, this is the first time in a decade, Kelly, this team has made the playoffs two years in a row. So we're not talking about St. Louis or, you know, certain teams that year in and year out, we know what to expect. So frankly, why do we have such high expectations when I'm not sure they're deserved? Yeah, like... What I was thinking no, about honestly, last, yeah, like, like yeah. I think about right. Didn't they make? Didn't they make a, a bit? Like, if you look at it, just take the emotion out of it, and just look at it. You take you take the whole shutdown and all that stuff and thrown into a bubble. You know, you can say that the play in wasn't a playoff. Well, it was because one team went on and one team didn't. Correct. So that's a playoff, and it was best of five, and they mm-hmm. did extremely well there, and they did lots of good stuff against Dallas, not enough, and they had the absolute worst timing for injuries and a goaltender meltdown. Like, I, I wonder for, like, just being, you know, and I know the Flames brass will sit there and, and hopefully do the same. It's like, ah, there was, some, there was some good stuff there. We want more. We see what Vancouver's doing, and who isn't envious of that? Those young bucks just doing so well and, and getting all that experience. That's... If you're a Flames fan and you don't like the Canucks, that's tough to see. But if you if you like hockey, pure and simple, 
That's pretty amazing to see those young guys getting that real life experience. Mm-hmm. I I I don't know. I mean, and and you're not trading your way out of this problem, so people can just forget that because that's that's craziness. And you're no. not, and you're not spending your way out of this either. So you know what I saw? You know what I saw this year for the first time? I saw strides and I saw growth and I saw a team as a team that was willing by and large to do different, to get different. This wasn't the Colorado series. They were overwhelmed Kelly in that series. So you can finish first and another team can finish eight. But if that is truly who you are, are you going to get overwhelmed? No, you know why you get overwhelmed in life is because you've been in positions with expectations that you haven't been. So you don't always know how to handle it. But this team has shown progress. They they even in and and I say this more frankly about one of those two guys than than another. Sean Monahan said from day 1, his goal was to come back this year and become a more reliable, complete, harder to play against player. And that's a guy that I saw. So did it reflect in the kind of production that everybody wants? No. And does that matter too? Yes. But did, did I see growth in Sean? Yeah. Now, if you're going to expect him to be Nathan McKinnon or certain types of players, then, then that's not on Sean. Frankly, that's on you and your expectation. It really is. And, and that, to me is the reality of the situation. What do we really know, and what do we really expect? And the playoffs tells us one thing, at least for me, maybe not for anybody else. Yeah, we keep score, and, and numbers matter, but when do you assess? And I'm sorry, I will trade playoff wins and players with 70 and 75 points or 80 points I'll take those guys who know how to win and get it done when it matters the most and it's the most difficult over people that win scoring races and then don't yep. win in the playoffs. Yep. No, but me, that's me. Yeah, that's me what I value. Yeah. I value winning. Yeah, winning. Yeah, we talk about playoff runs in in hockey. We don't talk about wow, what a regular season that was, and and a and a first round knockout. Like we don't do that. So. You're, you're bang on. I wanted to bring that up. We're going over time. Yeah, I love but, it. Yeah, I love it. Well, lots, I love it. Lots to uh, kind of unpack tomorrow as well. Always, we haven't even talked about the games. We'll, we'll get to that tomorrow because uh, there's some interesting well, stuff. Last night was pretty special, yep. I'll tell you. Pretty fun. Pretty it fun was. to see. Okay, Lou, we're going to let you uh, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, and we'll talk tomorrow. Okay, thanks, Kel. Have a good one, everybody. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Yeah, it's Hockey Central at noon right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's Kelly Kirsch. we got Riley Pollock producing today. Coming up at 1 o'clock, it's the big show and the arrival of Logan Gordon. He'll do his thing and uh, be joined by... Will Nolt at 2 o'clock more on Matthew Kachuk and his media availability today. It was a good one. We'll play a lot of it for you. We'll put it up on our website as well, sportsnet.ca slash 960. Coming up on Friday, it's always busy on Hockey Central on Fridays. We've got Lou's Mailbag, we've got Air Francis Fridays, all kinds of stuff, but also our spiciest moment of the week. And what we do is uh, we scour our audio files and find the best clip it could be a, a big hit, a big goal, somebody with a real big mouth. 
a really interesting take, maybe something wacky. Uh, and then we send it out onto our social media channels. We call this the uh, Bacardi spiciest moment of the week. It takes a real captain to make a bold choice. Made with aged rum for smoothness and blended with natural spices. Try Bacardi Spiced for your next home game. We'll do that coming up on uh, on Friday. So we'll see. We got a few. We got a few in the hopper right now. We just don't know. Uh, Who's going to win? Because the week's not over just yet. We'll take a break. We got uh, Dave Shane coming up from Vegas from the Review Journal. Got a series now in the hub in Edmonton with the Golden Knights and the Canucks. A little adversity for the mighty Golden Knights. We'll talk to him about that and a few other things as well. It is Hockey Central at Noon, Sportsnet 960. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Riley Pollock producing. We've got uh, Dave Shane from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Talk a little uh, Canucks and Golden Knights, a little adversity for the guys from Vegas. We'll talk to uh, Dave coming up in about uh, 10, 15 minutes, something like that. Riley, uh, grab that mic because you had something in trending now that made me go, hmm, uh, give me the story about the Coyotes forfeiting the draft picks again. Can you kind of... Just kind of walk us through that one more time. Yeah, it just came down that they are going to lose this year's twenty or this year's second round pick and next year's first round pick. Whoa! Because they did something not right during the combine testing last or this past season, I guess. So, ah. yeah, nope. Forgot about that. I remember they were kind of concerned about them, and that'll be interesting to, yeah. to get the scuttlebutt. So, no second round this year, yeah, and no first round next year. Yeah, that's correct. No individual people will be punished for it, though. So that's that's the extent of the, well, I think the punishment there. That's that's pretty severe. Yeah, I agree. Whoa, that is uh, big stuff. Just when you thought the Coyotes may no, they have to have something goofy every every three or four weeks. You know, they had the stuff with the GM <laughs> where he just left, and now this. There you go. All right, so that's uh, we'll get more on that with the guys in the big show for sure. That is an uh, interesting story as it's just developing right now. Uh, let's talk with Matt Stajan. He, uh, of course, played for the Flames. He played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You see him on uh, Flames TV. We've had him on the morning show. Matty is so interesting, and he's got, like, that's pretty close to a photographic memory. He's got an amazing recall. And uh, Ryan Pinder filling in for Boomer today. First question they kind of asked him is, okay, Flames season is done. Had a little time to think about it. Was it disappointing? Was it where you thought they would be? Where did Matt come out on that? I think it's disappointing. You know, when you're when your season finishes like that, you you look back at, at moments that you you wish went differently, and and you know moments that you um, you know you screwed up really as, as a team, and and that's what kind of happened. You know, they had some uh, some bad luck. You can call it whatever you want, or weren't able to put the finishing touches on a few games, and and it costed them. So. It's definitely, you know, I'm still, I was shocked that night. I think we all were, just how that game completely turned. But, um, yeah, when you sit back and look at it, and especially now being on the outside, um, for sure there's there's a lot of disappointment. A lot of talk about the poll. I, I know the coach is trying to do something to swing momentum, but what was your gut reaction the moment you saw it happen? Yeah, I, honestly, I, I thought they were going to take a timeout. Um, and then... Maybe you could use the poll later. It, it, I understand it. It's not. Um, well, it didn't shock me. It kind of shocked me to go early, 
but um, you're just trying to stop the momentum there. It's snowballing quickly. Guys have to regroup. Um, you know, we can sit here and look back and, and be like, Riddick hasn't played in, in a long time. Why would you do that? But, you know, if it went the other way, um, you know, it would be totally different uh, how we're looking at things. So, you know, I I think if you're a player on the bench, you're, you're just focusing on, on getting, you know, the game back on track. And, uh, you know, so you can fault whatever you want, but at the end of the day, uh, as a team, you still gave up some chances um, right after that moment. Um, and you need to regroup quickly because games get out of hand quickly. You know, I, it's not as drastic as, as, 2017 when we blew a 3-0 lead to Anaheim because um, we, we had a 3-0 lead early in that game and you know they did come back you know and we went to overtime but um, you know we, we were in the dressing room going into overtime and you're thinking okay you know next goal wins you know we can just put this behind us but it's still in the back of your head um, you know that you, you, you had this game and you let it slip away and here we are um, so when it happens even quicker um, you know I think it's it's easier said than done just to kind of you know move on you're kind of you're trying to figure out what just happened but at the same time you got to go out there and, and turn things around quickly and uh if you can't that's when all the questions happen after and, and it was just an unfortunate, unfortunate sequence it was a tough period to watch for all of us the other thing that happened in that series was the late goals again so we kind of are we, we focus on that last game they played because they're up three nothing they're playing so well and but you're 11, 12 seconds away from from growing up 3-1, and I think that's why it stings so much all of this, is that really, and I don't think they outplayed Dallas, but the, op- the opportunity to beat them was certainly there, and they just let it slip away. And uncharacteristically, I don't know if it's uncharacteristic, but it certainly can't happen in the playoffs, and usually it doesn't happen in the regular season even, but late goals against uh, to lose the game with inside of, of a minute and then to let them tie it and win it over time when they've got a chance to go up 3-1 and then giving up a three-goal lead in a game six. I mean, there's a lot of spots in that series where y- you had a chance to really take control and, and win that series, and you let it slip away. Does it say something about the guys, or is it just bad luck? Um, well, I, I don't disagree with you, right? I, you know, it, it just makes it sting even more. But definitely as a team, you know, it's like any goal in the last minute of any period. You know, it's, it's kind of, you know, it shouldn't happen. Um, you know, at the end of the game, I, I know it's, you know, the other team has the goalie pulled. But that was, the turning point of the series was Matthew Chuck getting hurt. But if you look at just the hockey part, yeah, that tying goal late in game four, you know, that that just can't happen. And, and you could point a lot of things. Um, because it's happened before I've been a part of it um, you know I don't think it's ever the mindset that you want things to go that way it's just kind of how hockey goes but looking from afar you know the, we talked about it last week I think you know you, just that desperation needs to be there um, late games and and you know guys are desperate but it's always that little you know the puck didn't get out there we got to block that shot um, and you know, we saw a lot of goals that, that after they're scored, you're like, ooh, that guy could have blocked it maybe. That guy could have sacrificed himself a little bit more. And um, and that's that's what it is. And and, um, and you, sh- you should learn from these things. You should learn from them. 
Um, you know, but you don't know how many opportunities you're going to get as a team. So that, that's, I think that's the hard part for everybody right now is, yes, that opportunity was there. We should have um, won that series if we, you know, take balances or if we, you know, just went that extra mile and, and, and sacrificed ourselves, but uh, it didn't happen. So now you're, was, you're facing all the turmoil, right? Was that as obvious to you as it was to me? Because I harped on it from the start. I'm like, whoa. Why is no one blocking shots? Like, no. And if you're not blocking shots, then why aren't you clearing the front of the net so the goalie can see it and cover it? Like, it, to me, it was just really obvious that they weren't, like you just said, it, going the extra mile to sacrifice their body and really show they wanted to win. You know, I, I actually did notice it because I was very keen on watching how they've changed their D zone. I knew that they were box you know staying more in the house and and leaving the d out they weren't playing as man on man as they were earlier in the season um so i was watching for it i was like okay they're gonna pack it in here so we're gonna see a lot of sacrifice here and um and you saw it you did see it at times um but then when you watch you know when there's a a a bunch of goals going in then you you kind of see you know ooh, that's maybe been an area where you know that's got to be blocked so I know I did notice it, um, you know, and, and the thing is, you got to see it from everybody. It's it's you're good. You're going to see it from from the regular guys. You're going to see it from guys who always block shots. But uh, we talked about this. You know, when a guy's all in blocking a shot, or you know, kind of half faking it, it's very noticeable. And you watch the other teams in the playoffs, like the guys are, are all in. And um, I don't think the Flames weren't all in, but it's just. They changed the D zone, and, and maybe it was an adjustment period. I I don't know. I I just think that's definitely a, a you know, especially when a game's going like that, snowballing, you score, give up seven goals or six goals in, in a period and a half. There's those could have been avoided. It's not just the goalie. You know, so you got to sacrifice no. and help out and just block whatever you can. Oh, good stuff from from Matt Stage and our Wednesday guest on the morning show, Rhett Warner, in there as well, Ryan Pinder. Always like to hear Matt and uh, his take. Always good stuff as they uh, break down the uh, Flames-Dallas Stars playoff series. We're going to take a break and switch gears and talk about Vegas and Vancouver. Tied at one. We had the game last night right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan we will talk to Dave Shane. He uh, writes for the Las Vegas Review Journal. We'll talk, uh, you know, what's going on in the Pacific Division, that playoff series. We'll do that next right here on Hockey Central at Noon. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. It's Kelly Kirsch. The series is tied at one. You heard it last night right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Las Vegas Golden Knights and uh, Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks have a big pushback to talk about it. From the Las Vegas Review Journal from Las Vegas, it's Dave Shane. Dave, how are you? Is Dave there? He was. Well, we'll try. And Hello? There he is. How are you? Hey, sorry about that. Good. I don't know what happened there. I heard a big bang and off we went. That's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, yeah. Let me uh, let me kind of pick your brain a little bit about last night. Absolutely. It was uh, a pushback from Vancouver. I, I imagine, you know, the Golden Knights knew that was coming. Um, where did you see it kind of go wrong? I thought the first period... You know, the Canucks got up to that two-zip lead, but then, you know, Vegas got their game going, but just couldn't beat Markstrom. How did you see it? Yeah, similar. Similar. I thought they were chasing the game, obviously, right from the start. 
um, you know, Pedersen created that goal for Toffoli, what, uh, you know, a little less than a minute and a half in. And then, you know, after that, they're down 2 nothing, and, and they're chasing the game. I agree with you. It seemed like they kind of settled down, found their game in the second period, and Markstrom, you know, did a good job holding the Canucks in. And I think the difference, quite honestly, was the goal that they gave up off the face off to Pedersen and, and losing him in front, going down 3-1, you know, late in the second inning, and then turning right around and giving up an early goal in the third. That just basically kind of extinguished you know, pretty much all hopes at that point. I, it was just so con- converse from, from the first game when I, I use this word around here a little bit. I mean, it, it felt like the Golden Knights really did punk the Canucks in that first game. I mean, they were laughing at them, at them on the bench. They're clucking like a chicken. They, they were running around the ice, felt like they could do whatever they wanted to do, completely empowered because of Ryan Reeves and, the Canucks flipped the script and said, we're going to use our skill in game two and put the Knights in a hole they couldn't dig out of. Yeah, and, and there was some controversy, obviously, uh, with, with uh, you know, uh, Flurry's agent and, and the tweet. Was that, was that a, how did that play in Vegas, that whole? You know? <laughs> Not well. Yeah. <laughs> Not well. Flurry's well-liked here. So, and, 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 you know, and I don't want to sound condescending, but it's a newer fan base. So I think, you know, the whole goal dynamic is, is new to a lot of the, the fans who are still kind of learning the nuance of, of the NHL and the day-to-day kind of things like that. So it, it did not go over well here, yeah. What do you think they do a goalie switch for game three? No, no way. No way. I don't. I, don't, I feel like at this point they've hitched their wagon to Robin Leonard. And I kind of presented this to people what if the situation was flipped and Marc-Andre Fleury had been the starter and they're 1-1 in a series and they lost the game that they didn't very you know didn't play very well in front of the goaltender would you put Robin Leonard in at that point and I don't think a lot of people would so that's kind of my counter I guess to it I the other thing too is I don't think you can go to Marc-Andre Fleury at this point because it invites all that outside noise that Pete DeBoer seems to want to, you know, weave on the other side of the bubble. He doesn't want it. And he, that's, that's his term for all this stuff. And yeah, it it came from the agent. It's not necessarily self-inflicted, but I think the moment that you put flurry in a, in a game three, then you're inviting all that in. I just don't think Pete DeBoer does that. No, he, he's usually pretty, uh, pretty strategic in, in how he does things. That's just the way he's been in the NHL. And before that, in the Ontario hockey league, he doesn't, buy into that kind of stuff. And, and and the Golden Knights have been around for, you know, three years, but they've got, you know, a fair amount of, you know, playoff resume, you know, here here now. And But this is a little adversity now. This is going to be interesting to see how they can kind of uh, combat this and and just kind of get back to that first game they played because that every every game I've seen Vegas play, they look, you know, their first line looks like the fourth line. The fourth line looks like the first line. Their defense knows when to pinch. Their goaltend, like, I mean, what else is there? They looked up until last night like a team that was ready to to make some noise and, and get to that final again. Yeah, and I think they still do. I mean, I think you got to credit the Canucks, and I don't think this is, you know, necessarily going to be an easy series. I don't know that they're going to go through the Canucks the same way that they did the Blackhawks. I think there's some similarities between the teams and, you know, maybe style of play, but I think the Canucks are just a better version 
of the Blackhawks. So I think it's going to be a tougher series, and, and I think it'll go deeper. Uh, I think last night was just kind of all part of it, to be quite honest. You, you have to know that when you're playing you know, a best of seven, that Elias Pettersson's going to have his chances, and, and he's going to create. And they gave him too much room last night early. He created an early goal, and, and they didn't quite seem to adjust. And I think you know, going forward, it'll just be interesting to see how the Knights sort of try to play it. If they, if they want to keep trying to trade chances or what I think they need to do is kind of a, I guess maybe a modified version of game one, but continue to play heavy, you know, continue to, to get pucks deep, uh, continue to try to pressure Quinn Hughes on the four check and make him give up the puck. It worked really well in game one. It certainly was not nearly as effective in game two. So it's, you know, part of the chess match, I think, of a playoff series that we all, you know, kind of love to dissect and see, uh, see how the coaches respond. Dave, what, what is the biggest difference you've seen between the two coaches that, that the Golden Knights have had? Obviously, it was, it was quite the story when Gerard Glant was, was ousted and, and they brought Pete DeBoer in. What have you seen? Now, he's got, he had a little time with, obviously, the Golden Knights uh, before the shutdown and now in the bubble. Just from, from a media point of view, what you're hearing from the guys, what, what is the major difference between those two men? Yeah, you know what? In terms of, I think, you know, behind closed doors and, and how they coach and things like that, there's, there's a lot of similarities. You know, they, they both kind of want to play an aggressive style. They both want to play more of an up-tempo. They're not going to sit back and, and you know, neutral zone trap type of systems and, and all those sorts of things. I think Jared Gallant kind of came in you know, right from the get-go and, and sort of establish that culture and that style within this franchise and the organization. I think Pete DeBoer just kind of picked it up and, and you know, maybe pushed it a little further along. And I don't mean that as a knock on Gerard Glant, but, you know, one of the things I think the Knights got away from and, and everybody sort of acknowledged at the time of the firing was just getting back to that style of play and that speed and, and playing with that high tempo. And Pete DeBoer tweaked the, the breakout a little bit. There's some things that you can see that are different, you know, in terms of where the center swings, you know, back on the breakout and where he's available for passes, all those sorts of things. They completely inverted the PK hmm. um, in, in terms of where they pressure the puck. They used to pressure it really high. Now it's more pressuring zone entries and then being aggressive and almost trying to outnumber um, the puck carrier along the wall and, and things when, you know, when the puck goes in the corner or in different spots in the penalty kill. So, you know, there, there's some tweaks, there's some different things in terms of system, but I think it's just, you know, more, more matter of pizza board came in and the challenge for him was to get back to what they had done, especially in that first year. Yeah. And, and I think that's been his, his primary goal. We're chatting with Dave Shane. He uh, writes for the Las Vegas review journal. We're talking about the Las Vegas golden Knights and the uh, Vancouver Canucks series, which is now tied at one. Maybe uh, a, a bit different of a question, but, you know, obviously March was a huge change for everybody all over the world, and the sports world was flipped upside down. And, and a city like Las Vegas, you know, has really taken it in the teeth in terms of tourism and job loss and that sort of thing. And I imagine the Golden Knights are a nice um, diversion for those people. Can you give us a sense of how hockey is doing you know, uh, we see the crowds there, and and uh, you talked about you know kind of a new fan base that are new to hockey. But you know, get you know three years in, how how are folks 
taking the Golden Knights. And, you know, the Raiders are coming to town, obviously going to take a little bit of sun, you know sunshine from them. But give us a sense of what, what it's like in, in Vegas right now uh, with, with COVID-19 and the shutdown and, and the team, you know, trying to get back to the uh, Stanley Cup final. I mean, I think there's a lot of excitement. I just think everybody doesn't know how to quite cheer for them right now. You know, the, the, the thing, the biggest, I guess, impact maybe in that first year, if that's the right word, is the way that it brought together the community and the watch parties and everybody kind of went to the bars. You had to, you had to watch the game because you had to be in on the conversation the next day at work with your friends, whatever it might be. So it just became almost more of a social gathering and, and kind of a community rallying point as much as it was about hockey and, and let's try to get a Stanley cup and all those sorts of things. And, and I think what's changed is, is that element, you know, you, you don't feel the same buzz kind of around the city just because you can't go out and you don't see it. And I, I feel like it's still there. I know it's still there because I know people read our stories and I know there's still interest in terms of, you know, radio shows that I do. And I talk to folks and I know people around here feel like the golden Knights have a really good chance this year. And, you know, there's all this sort of stuff. There's all these different talking points, whether it be the goalie or, or what have you, but it, it has been interesting and it has been different because it hasn't been as visible. And, and I think that's just, you know, not to use the cliche, but sort of the new normal, yeah. you know, we're all sort of adjusting, like you said. And, and I guess we all sort of have to be fans and, or, you know, watch and, and cheer and root inside our homes. So that that element is different, but I think the passion and I think the fan base is, is as fervent as ever. And it, and it certainly hasn't diminished since the Raiders got here or anything like that. It'll be interesting just going down the road in the future, how that has an effect. But But certainly this team has a different kind of grip on the community, meaning the Golden Knights. And, and I haven't seen anything to change that, that's for sure. Well, Dave, we appreciate you uh, taking the time out. we got a series now tied at one. We'll see what happens. We appreciate you. Love reading your stuff in, in the Review Journal online. Thanks for uh, doing this today. You got it. Take care. Sorry about the glitch at the start. No, but, uh, I appreciate good. you having me on. Thanks, Dave. There How we go. Going, guys? There's Dave Shane from the Las Vegas Review Journal talking about the uh, Golden Knights and the Vancouver Canucks series. Now tied at one. We'll have every game of that series right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan Dave comes down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. The best pizza, pasta, steaks and ribs since 1975. Check them out at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Riley Pollock is our producer getting ready for hour one of the big show. We've got Will Nault and Logan Gordon. Logo starts things off with Riley at one o'clock. What do you guys got in the cooker for one to two o'clock? Tell me everything. Well, I do know one thing. We have a very special guest from Vancouver coming on at some point, and he's very familiar to the station. Whoa. There is a tease. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So we have that. Yep. And, uh. I'm going to test Logan with a few burning questions, three to be exact. Are they the, sizzling? Uh, like, oh, are they like smoke oh, yeah. detector There's, going off? Yeah, the text line might start on fire with the answers. So, And just to review, you're going to have it in trending now, that the, the story that kind of broke while we were on the air is uh, the hammer has come down from the NHL on the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, again, the second round pick this year and a first round pick next year. So uh, wow. that's a tough one for them, but... 
Yeah. You can't you can't cheat, otherwise don't mess caught. around with your combine. Exactly. Don't be doing that. Okay. Logo's ready to go next. The big show fires up next, right here on Sportsnet 960 the fan.